Are you a college student looking for better guidance on how to figure out your life after college? Maybe you are slowly looking at jobs or maybe you are finally getting around to editing your resume. Or maybe you are just getting anxiety awaiting for the question at the next big family dinner, what are you going to do after college? Yep, I've been there. That's why I created my career ebook guide to help guide you on the path to young adult life in your post-grad career. From custom resume templates, ways to improve your LinkedIn, cover letter examples, top interview questions, and so much more, it's all in my ebook guide, which you can find on my blog at emilyelizabeth.blog/shop. Emily Elizabeth, and I'm the host of the What Fulfills You podcast, a show for and about individuals always seeking to be their best selves. On this show, we talk all about building the mindset, finding the right careers, creating meaningful relationships, and so much more. Welcome to the What Fulfills You podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the What Fulfills You podcast. My name is Emily Elizabeth Duong, and on the show, we talk primarily about designing a life that fulfills you, which always revolves around your relationships, your career, your mindset, your mental and physical wellness, and everything you can think of that really just encompasses all of life. And on today's episode, I have a very lovely guest, and we definitely dive into a lot of those topics. But the wonderful guest on today's show is Gabrielle Santiago. She is an interior designer, feng shui expert, and the founder of Gabrielle Santiago Design. Growing up, Gabrielle could be found with a nail gun and hammer in hand building tree houses in her backyard. But it wasn't until she helped restore her family's old Pennsylvania farmhouse that she first fell in love with interior design. As Gabrielle began to navigate her future, her heart was set on a creative career. She enrolled in pre-college courses at the Fashion Institute of Technology, where she delved into different avenues of design. Jumpstarting her way into the industry, Gabrielle worked as an intern designing shoes at a Los Angeles footwear company while pursuing her degree in product development at the Fashion Institute of Merchandising and Design, also known as FITM. You guys, this conversation fired me up. I'm not even joking. What was really fun to learn about Gabrielle is that she's also from Pennsylvania, which is where I'm from, if you guys didn't know. And It's amazing to be able to connect with people who are not only from the East Coast when you're living out in Los Angeles, but who are also from a very close proximity to where you're from because I grew up in an extremely small town, um, probably about 8,000 people. I think I looked this up before, but I really grew up in what you would see in the movies of a rural hometown, which everyone I meet in California is always like, really, you don't come off like that. But I think it's because I always had the desire to, you know, kind of go big or go home. And um, Southern California and New York was always, you know, in my radar and my vision for my future, like, late teens, 20s. So that's where I am. But Gabrielle just has a lot of great energy. And I love that we were able to touch on a little bit of each area. So we talk about interior design and just how it actually impacts our mental wellness, our mindset, just being at home, especially because we're home more frequently now with COVID. But also she dives into just the 
unconventional route that she took to get towards you know this career path because even for me I, I mean of course I love interior design I don't I could not see myself pursuing it as a career though but even if I were to I don't really know where to start right like I think when we think of finance or something a lot more conventional there's kind of a structured path but that's why I really enjoyed asking Gabby like hey what is the path like or what did you take right and so you guys are going to learn a lot from her on how sometimes you have to go backwards and even you know sacrifice certain things like quitting your full-time job and you know doing whatever it is you need to do to pursue your thing in her case her own business full-time where she even I'm not going to give it away, but she also had to work part-time in other roles as well. And that's just kind of the name of the game. And I think it's amazing that she touches on that because I think it's so important that we share that part of our journey more and more, especially for those who have, you know, quote, made it. So um, yeah, there's a lot of good nuggets on this episode. So with that being said, we will dive into the conversation. Gabrielle, thank you so much for joining me today. I am super stoked to dive into your background. It's going to be super unique. Personally, I love interior design and I think this is so fun that Valerie introduced you to me and was like, hey, I think she'd be a great person to be on your podcast. So um, I will just let you dive into your background. I I see you have a lot on your plate and I think um, your background is very unique. But before we actually get into it, I did see she said that you had or your your family had an old Pennsylvania farmhouse. Are you originally from Pennsylvania? Yeah, yeah, actually I am. I, uh, I grew up kind of outside of Old Forge, um, okay. kind of near Valley Forge. Yeah. And my father was a custom home builder. And we had this farmhouse on our land that um, was so historic. Like basically it was falling apart. And my dad really wanted to restore it. And I was about six or seven when he was kind of like, Hey, do you, you know, do you want to come over and, and help me with the farmhouse? And I'm like, I, my dad is like one of my biggest heroes. So of course I was like, yes, I want to see everything. And he just kind of walked me through the importance of like keeping and maintaining structural and historical integrity and what that meant and and why it was so important for us to fix it, but also fix it in a way that felt like it was always that way, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I had a lot of like historic um, monuments around my house and the stories that even like my best friend from high school, like her, George Washington stayed in her house. Like it used to be a motel oh, wow. for back in the day. So, and you know, they would march up and down the street. Like she was one, I don't know, maybe like two streets over from me. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, that's how significant this little town was. And we, I restored it with my dad and it was, it was really just a beautiful process. And it was, that was my first introduction to design and homes. I love that. Yeah. I was asking because I'm actually from Pennsylvania as well. So I thought it was really unique to say, yeah, I'm from between Lancaster and Reading. So also a really small area. Oh my God. Okay. So you're near me. I'm from Lewisbury. Oh, no way. Yes. Like the smallest little town. I always tell people, I always tell people Hershey because people know like, yeah. oh, Hershey chocolate bar, mm-hmm. but Hershey's like, you know, 15 minutes and you still have to cross the bridge. Yeah. But yeah. So you're the first person that I think knows where Lewisbury is. Oh, that's, absolutely. That's oh, that's oh so funny. <laughs> yeah. That's why I saw farmhouse PA. I'm like, yeah, I grew up there for 18 years. And then you live in LA now, right? As well. 
Yeah, yeah. I moved out here um, to go to FITM and Mm -hmm. um, that was like a huge transition. I just, Mm -hmm. you know, Pennsylvania is so interesting because I love going back and visiting and I love how small it is and everybody Mm -hmm. knows each other. And like, we've like, I don't know, maybe three hometown bars. And when you go, you see everybody from high school. So like to go from there to move to LA, that was like a big transition because I moved here Mm -hmm. alone when I was 18, you know? So So that was a bit crazy, but that is insane. That's funny. Yeah. I moved out here when I was 18 as well by myself and I went to Chapman university. So down in orange County, but then I moved to LA during the pandemic actually during in September. So it's funny how like we're in LA, but we're from this like, you know, similar areas in PA. So yeah, it's always fun for me to come across someone from Pennsylvania who gets it, that it's so different out there from out here. And you really, um, I think it's a unique experience to be able to see both sides of, you know, East Coast life, the his- the history, the architecture over there, and then coming over here. So I think there's a unique appreciation to it. Um, but let's dive into like your actual background. Go ahead and share, I guess, your story in your own words and kind of take us through from like your beginning years, how you got into interior design, how you made it out to LA, you know, the whole, the whole sh- Shazam. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, oh my God, where to even start? Holy moly. It's been a serious journey. Um, I've, I started, so I went to school for product development Mm -hmm. and I started my career off in footwear design, believe it or not. And I was making prints and patterns and I just, it didn't feel right. I loved that I was able to, you know, physically design something and then see it mass produced and then see it in stores. Like some of them were in Nordstrom's. Um, but I kind of had this epiphany and I was like, you know what? I don't, I don't want to keep paying all this money to live out here in LA. If I'm not quite sure that this is like the route I want to go, I kind of want to move home, you know, Pennsylvania being so close to New York and Philadelphia. And I I felt like I was missing a lot of, I was missing a lot of life events with Mm -hmm. my family. And, and that was like really hard. My brother was getting married. He was having babies. And like, I'm the only kid that's like, super far, you know, Mm. and of course you can get on a plane, but when you're like 18, 20 years old, you don't really have any money. So, um, I made the executive decision to move home, um, just to get my ducks in a row and really figure out what it was that I wanted to do. And during that time I worked at a coloring mine, I was like a manager of a coloring Mm. mine (laughs) and it was so fun because I actually got to just be creative, be around my family. It was kind of like this, um, it was almost like a resurrection for me and my career, just like really figuring out what that looked like. And, and it was okay. And I think sometimes we forget that in our early twenties, like we have, especially with like social media, we have this idea in our heads that we have to know what we have to do or, Mm -hmm. or know what we want to do. But really it's like kind of taking those moments of sitting back and being able to reflect. And luckily I was fortunate enough to be able to do that and live for free at my parents, Mm -hmm. you know, and, um, so I did that for a while. And then the coloring mine that I was working at was up for sale and my parents were going to buy it because I really liked it. I didn't know, I was kind of over the fashion industry as a whole. And, um, and then it was like kind of a really weird, like moment for me because the day when my parents were going to sign the papers, um, Rachel Ray was on the TV in the background and her guest of the day was Nate Burkus. And I just like kind of stopped in my tracks and I'm like watching this episode. And for some reason it really hit like, Oh my God, that's, that's what I want to do. 
Like mm-hmm. I want to, I want to do what he does. I want to be able to design. I, I love people. I'm definitely like very empathic. And mm-hmm. I love that he was like able to go on talk shows and talk about it and make a difference through design. And, and I just loved everything about him. So I hopped on his website and I saw he was hiring interns and I, it like clicked for me. I was like, I need to apply. I don't know why I feel like I'm going to work for him. I want to learn from him. I want to like mm-hmm. just soak it all up like a sponge. And I applied, I got the internship and my mom and dad are like, well, you have to take it, you know? Mm-hmm. And it was in Chicago. So, yeah. so I like packed all my stuff, took, so I went from like a salary paid position, right. Yeah. From, from designing shoes to going backwards as an mm-hmm. intern in order to go forward with my career. And I think that that was like the best thing I possibly could have done. But at the time, my brother, my older brother, who's like my financial advisor, he's a genius at business was like, you're going to take an internship. Like, why Mm. wouldn't why would you do that? You know? And I was like, well, I, I need to learn, you know, this is what I want to do. And I I can't just like come out and be like, oh, I want to be an interior designer. Like, I really just wanted to learn from the best. And so the internship was for Target and Joanne Fabrics. And I went on to, um, you know, design the lines with him and his team. And then I got a, an opportunity to become an art director for Lonnie Paul, who's an interior designer out here in Los Angeles. And she does a lot of celebrities. And so I learned a lot from that experience. And then it hit me again that I was creating these things, these beautiful things and other people's names kind of were going on them, which is product mm-hmm. development. That's what I wanted to go to school for. But I just was like, when is it going to be my turn? You know, yeah, like when yeah. can I put my name on it? And it's just not that easy. Like mm-hmm. you can't just be like, oh, I'm Gabrielle Santiago. I'm going to have a target line. Right. But I'm yeah. like, well, I can have a target line under somebody else for now. Yeah. So that's what I did. And then I was like, I've had enough of a launch my own company and ate ramen noodles and my electricity and internet was turned off probably like <laughs> six times in the course of a year. <laughs> and here we are now today. So, wow. It's a journey. <laughs> I like that you mentioned how you had to go backwards a little bit in order to go forward. And you also mentioned as well, your brother kind of basically gave you shit for it a little bit, right? How did Hold you, on. like, how did you overcome that? You know, when someone in your family, especially is telling you like, why are you doing this? And it's like going against the grain of what you're trying to pursue. And, and you have this vision in your head. You're like, okay, so I see that being a good path for me. And that could be a stepping stone into the direction I want to go. But then- your loved ones are saying this opposition, but you still feel aligned in that direction. How did you personally overcome that? Oh my God. I mean, it's hard, right? Like it's really hard when you, the closest ones to you are kind of going against (laughs) the grain that you're trying to carve for yourself. And I think the best advice I could give in that matter is just like follow your heart. And I think Mm -hmm. what was so what worked for me was being able to absorb and learn from these people that have done it for years and learn from their mistakes and mm-hmm. and write that down and take note and be like, how could I do better here? How could I, when I launch my company, what will I do better? Like mm-hmm. what, you know, and, and establish those things in all, I had a notebook and I would write it down and all on a notebook. So when I was ready, I was like, okay, remember not to do that. Remember mm-hmm. not to do that or remember to approach and I think that was like the, the, the best thing I possibly could have done. Um, but at the time I felt like I could have crawled out of my skin because of course I'm like, I know how to do it, but I have, I can't just like go out and do it. Like I, I came to a point in my head where I'm like, okay, the ultimate goal is to be like a household name. Right. Mm-hmm. 
am I going to walk into a Target and be like, this is cool, who makes it? Mm-hmm. Or am I going to walk into a Target and be like, where's Gabrielle Santiago's collection? Mm-hmm. And that was like a very humbling thing that I would keep in my head because I'm like, you're not ready yet because you haven't achieved the experience. Mm-hmm. And so when they would say that, like, you know, my, my parents are, my parents and family is very, very supportive. But in the beginning, I think it was more about like how much it costs to launch a business, right? Yeah. Like the money, like it, you have to have money to make money. And for me, I'm like, fuck that. Like I can do this. I'm doing it. It's going to be fine. But now looking back, I'm like, yeah, it was a little ambitious. I mean, the internet was turned off. I'm not kidding. So many times my sister was living with me at the time and she's like, I can't do this anymore. Like the electricity was turned off. I'm like, okay, hustling, sending emails. And like, one of the things I used to do a lot, um, was I would figure out how people would format their emails. Uh Um, so basically, like, I would send, oh, hey, you know, I, I'm working on this project or whatever to, let's say, like, Better Home and Gardens mm-hmm. magazine. Mm-hmm. And usually, I wouldn't get a response. But on the off chance I would, it would be a rejection, right? Like, mm-hmm. oh, we're not really interested. And by them rejecting me, I was able to figure out how they would format their emails. Wow. And I'm like, okay, noted. So then I would write down like how they formatted their emails. So in the future where now I'm at, now I have a PR team, so mm-hmm. I don't really have to do that. But you know, like the hustle was super real. It was like, I needed to create opportunity. And mm-hmm. so I, yeah, that was like one of the things that I did a lot. I just, I would find, I also think that like, you know, people saying you can't really fuels my fire. Yeah. Um, So I'm like, just watch me. But I've learned to say, just watch me in silence. Like before I Mm -hmm. used to be put up a little bit more of a fight. And now I'm just like, I'll show you, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious, what was the pivotal moment, like the aha moment for you, whether it was in your childhood years or when you were initially out in LA for pursuing a career in interior design? Because I I think there's like a fine line between loving to decorate your home and having really good taste and pursuing it as a career and doing it for clients, right? Like how, what was that moment for you where you're like, I see this as a career, not just a hobby? Yeah, totally. Um, I think for me, interior design has always been the gateway to get to my final destination. Mm -hmm. Um, And that is like the product lines and... um, you know, being able to being able to create spaces for people that actually matter and cultivating spaces like with elements and texture. And that's where we get into the feng shui like that really hit home for me. It wasn't really about, of course, it was about designing and cultivating and, and being creative. But it also was this emotional, like empathic approach that I've always had in um, like naturally and it wasn't until like three years ago where I like was able to put those two passions together and be like, Oh, this could work. Like this could be Mm. different. This could, this would be amazing to be able to combine both like what I love to do and who I am together Mm. to like make it really succeed. But I don't, I don't know. I, I, it's funny because I don't really consider myself an interior designer. I mean, I am, but I think that it's like, more holistic and natural than that it's like creating Mm -hmm. relationships with people in their homes and their spaces Mm -hmm. and being able to like cultivate this storytelling aspect as opposed to like because anybody can decorate their house Mm -hmm. like and all these instagram 
interior designers <laughs> are out there, you know, and they're like, oh, designing with intention. But it's like, what is designing with intention to you? Is it is it designing a beautiful room? Is that the intention? Or is it like mm-hmm. to actually cultivate and manifest your life objectives and how we want to live our lives? And yeah, I'm getting a little off track here. But <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I like it. And and I think it's well, that's the thing. Interior design is not something I would consider a conventional route career path, right? Um, but you know, it's funny because even one of my best friends from um home, she actually lives close to Philly now, but she's always been interested in interior design. And I think it's something that everyone is there's not a distinctive path enough for people to be like, oh, that's like I can study this, I can do this and, and go that route, um, compared to maybe you know, business or finance where you, there is a little bit more structure there. Um, so with that being said, like, do you have specific tips that you would advise anyone that is interested? Maybe they're in high school or college right now and they're whatever they're studying, but they've always had an inkling towards it would, would want to figure out ways to test that interest. What would you say to them? Yeah. You know, what's interesting. My sister-in-law's sister works for, uh, anthropology. Mm-hmm. And she loves it, but she really wants to get into interior design. And she's a, she's a few years older than me. And I just had this conversation with her and I cannot express this enough is go make mistakes on somebody else's dime. Like go and learn and, and, and figure out like all the terminology, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. what's a markup? How do you establish a contract? I've learned through all my mistakes just, and I'm constantly still doing this where mm-hmm. I'll get a new client and then I'll add another page into my contract. My contract's like 18 pages long, mm-hmm. but I'm always, you know, adding to it because things happen where you're like, oh shit, like I, next time I know to include, you know, this or that. And, um, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't have known how to even make a contract or what that meant or what a markup was or what wholesale taxes or, yeah. you know, um, what a seller's permit is without working for other people. And I would do it again and again and again, just to learn what I learned. Um, yeah, I don't know. And there's also like, not like an aha moment where you feel like, you know, that you're really ready to jump Mm -hmm. into owning your own business. Like I, 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 sometimes people always say like, Oh, you know, like I worked a full-time job and this was a passion. And then I just knew like, there wasn't a moment where I knew I just had enough. Mm. of doing it for other people. Yeah. And that to me was enough. I, when I quit my day job, I went to the beach and I was like, holy shit. Like I, did I just do this? And I told my sister and my, and her friend, cause they were there and they're like, would you just quit your job? Like what? And I'm like, I just quit my freaking job. Like I just left. I've deleted all my files and I left and they're like, <laughs> well, what are you going to do? And I'm like, I have no idea. Like, obviously I'm going to launch my own company, but my, my sister was like, what are you going to do for money? So then I like did retail jobs on the side just until I could like gain Mm. that. I I was willing again, yet again, Mm -hmm. to go backwards in order to go forwards. And that's the key here. Like Mm. it's, it's okay to go backwards. If you're going to launch your own company, quit your freaking day job, go wait, wait on tables, Yeah, go work a retail job. I was like a manager at Tory Burch, DVF, you name it. I like was like here, there while I launched my company until I landed a really big project. And even then I was scared to quit my retail job, but I was like, uh, there's a dime. You can find all those jobs, those type of jobs again. So it's not like this detrimental thing. It's just that pivotal moment where you're like, am I going to leave my real job to do this? And when you get to that point, you should do it. You know, like it's, there's never a point where you're like, 
Oh, yeah. like, I'm ready. You're, you're going to be, ner- you're going to be like shitting your pants regardless. Yeah. You know? yeah. I love that you keep bringing up the theme of going backwards and in order to move forward. And it's something, especially in Los Angeles. And again, and I can, I feel like comfortable saying this with you, especially that you're from PA and you understand the humble upbringing we have over there of it. Mm-hmm. Again, nothing like Los Angeles. And I love LA. I really do. I think it's different. It's a unique atmosphere. You know, it's a one of a kind city. Um, but I think that's the thing too. It's like, especially with Los Angeles, sometimes you come across people that are, you know, a little shallow in a sense where they think, oh, you're working a retail job. It's like, they, they think of you in that certain light because everyone in, in a big city is like trying to make it right. And they forget. Mm-hmm. And especially again, everyday people. And I tell all my friends all the time, it's like, you, you can't just ignore or, um, just like kind of push away someone because you think like they're not in a good place because they're working retail job or the wing tables, because there's probably, especially again, in a big city like this, there's a lot of people pursuing a big vision or bigger vision and a bigger dream like you had. And they're doing the stepping stones in order to accelerate quicker, right. Versus staying in. that. Yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. And it's funny because I also think that my industry is so interesting that if I do like say not now because we're in the pandemic, but when I would talk about, oh, I'm an interior designer, people would be like, mm-hmm, okay. <laughs> you know? And like, cause what what is an interior designer? Like people think that you go in and you just, you know, put a piece of art up, point yeah. to where a mirror goes. Like I yeah. literally build floor plans from the ground up mm-hmm. and develop around intentions. Like, and that's another thing too, like being from Pennsylvania, I'm sure you can relate. My family is very grounded. We call each other out on our shit. Like we have no problem telling each other when we're being assholes. And my family's definitely kept me grounded in that, in that manner. But when I started using feng shui as a main approach to how I design, which I always did anyways, until Mm -hmm. I like learned that I was doing it, that I started Mm -hmm. applying the vocabulary. But my mom and dad and my whole family at first was like, what kind of hippy dippy shit is this? Like you're, you live in LA now for 12 years. What's going on? And of course, then, you know, you have to explain what it is. And, and you know, even the election, like, you know, it's more conservative back in Pennsylvania. It and is. I feel like living here on the West Coast has definitely expanded my mind. I'm definitely mm-hmm. a lot more open minded than yep a lot of people that I know from home. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. I mean, but yeah, like circling back to that, going backwards to go forward constantly. I'm always, I'm still doing it. You know, like you have to be able to pivot. If you want it bad enough, you will do whatever it takes to make it happen. Mm -hmm. And that is it. It doesn't matter what the fuck anybody else is saying to you. It doesn't matter what, you know, like, if people are like shaking their head at you mm-hmm. at the end of the day, you have the last laugh if you stick with it. And like, mm-hmm. there has been so many times where I've been like, do I want this? Like crying myself to sleep. Like this yeah. is so hard. And the end of the day, the good moments, the really good moments feel so great when yeah. something is yours and you get there that it overpowers the more shitty moments, yeah. you know? Yeah. Oh man. I couldn't agree with that more. I do. So we've already brought this up a few times as well. And I think it's so important to elaborate on it. Um, but okay. I want to say this very slowly. Feng shui, right? Is that how you say it? Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Can you elaborate on that method? Like what is it for those who are not obviously, you know, savvy with interior designing and the different methods of approaches? Can you um, elaborate on it? 
Yeah, so what's really, so there's multiple schools in feng shui. Um, and I study more of a BTB and form, and then it meets kind of Western. So my approach is very modern. Um, I work with other feng shui uh, experts and, um, you know, support system that specialize in compass. Um, mm-hmm. That's kind of more the traditional, but basically feng shui is about creating harmony with humans and environment combined. Mm-hmm. So when we design with feng shui in mind, we're, de- we're designing based around the home itself and the human that occupies it. And a lot of times like there's all these funky words that like seem overwhelming and overbearing that like I think what's unique about my approach is I'm able to kind of relate it to, you know, what's the power position, what's the command position. And then I'm like, oh, that's just a feeling Mm -hmm. that you feel. I relate it to like an elevator concept, which we can get into further, Mm -hmm. but basically it's just, it's feeling. And we're naturally doing these things all the time. Our subconscious is already like shwaying Mm -hmm. ourselves because feng shui is a natural mind state. Mm-hmm. It's a natural state of mind mm-hmm. that um, we're already doing. So when we have the vocabulary and we like understand what it means and the power of elements and colors and shapes and how they affect mm-hmm. our overall tone, our mood, our behavior patterns. Mm-hmm. Um, and we start to design based around that. We have, we have more harmonious balance in life mm-hmm. that is built for success outside of our everyday lives. Like your home is a vessel for where you start Mm -hmm. your day, where you end your day. And so if we stop looking at home as this like place to just be, Mm -hmm. and we start looking at it as like our generator, Mm -hmm. like our generator of how we intend to move forward, how we intend to like progress, um, things happen, magic happens. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm not the creator. I'm just the vessel that like, you know, communicates it. It's really fascinating actually. Yeah. And it's funny because, and I think a lot of people started to see it during COVID, especially when they were stuck at home more, but I, especially, especially when I moved to Los Angeles from Orange County, I was so excited to, you know, decorate my home in a certain way because I learned over the years, especially as I graduated college, that your home is so sacred and it, it, for me especially, it impacted me, my mental health, like so much. When it was clean, when it was well designed, the colors were matching properly, mm-hmm. even the decor pillows, my room, all of that. I noticed how much my well-being was just better, you know? And there was something right. about it that I didn't get as in my during my childhood. Like my parents didn't really care as much as interior design and just like the look and feel of things. But when I you know, grew into my 20s, I was like, this is really unique. There is a, you can feel that shift. And so I see the ROI in investing in, you know, a well thought out home. Um, With that being said, I'm curious, um, can you give like a approximate range of how much it actually costs to hire an interior designer? Because I think that's definitely not, you know, that those numbers are definitely not talked about much on a, you know, conventional basis. Yeah, so true. Everybody kind of has a different system. And I definitely think, you know, being a designer in a city, it's a little bit more than, you know, a rural area. Um, But anywhere from like, I don't know, if you have a beginner interior designer, like 75 to like an expert who, you know, $300 an hour Mm -hmm. on an hourly basis, typically, and then Mm -hmm. they 
like we implement a retainer that covers X amount of hours that we think a whole project will take. And then once we meet the retainer, we'll take it hourly mm-hmm. um, and just build biweekly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's, it's definitely not cheap, but it is yeah. an investment. And like you were saying, like how colors make you feel special. Oh, yeah. Colors are so interesting because subconsciously we've been trained how colors are supposed to impact our mood. Think of a stoplight, for example. Yellow mm-hmm. makes you slow down. Red makes you go, oh, shit, I have to stop. Green's yeah. like, go, go, go. And, you know, it, being a product designer, color was really a main um, thing that I focused on in the, the initial start of my career because color was what made things sell, mm-hmm. right? And if you're doing, like, a health and wellness book, sometimes you'll notice, like, they'll use yellows or blues because Mm -hmm. the color yellow means health, it's center, Mm -hmm. it's unity, it's, um, so even color itself can spark those intentions. And that's a huge part of, of what feng shui is. And then you have kind of your elements that also relay back to the colors. And yeah, so it's very, Mm -hmm. it's funny, because I just had an interview with a magazine, and I was explaining it was going on so long and I could hear myself and I'm like, okay, chill. Like mm-hmm. it's hard to explain feng shui when somebody doesn't understand, but it's actually like pretty easily, it's an easy concept. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's so much to it when you really dive into it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So sometimes I'm like, I'll just give like the basics of what it is, but really the overall consensus is that it is, it's establishing feeling and, and, you know, influencing them to make you feel a certain way in a space. Mm -hmm. Can you elaborate on how a person's well-being is impacted by their home? Like what are some unknowns that everyday people don't know and they're not aware of? And especially again, like, you know, college students, like a lot of them don't realize like having that messy space, like also parlays over into their brain and then their um, results in school and results in work and their, you know, it, it literally piles on. So what are some, you know, key things that you would advise on people to be aware of? So I think having rooms for certain specific objectives, right? And mm-hmm. like now we're all into this open floor plan concept, but the problem with that is energy. So ch- the main thing in feng shui is assessing your chi and you either have chi that's rushing or slow. And chi is like a river. Think of it like water flowing. Water can either kind of, you know, just swivel by and mm-hmm. just be calming or it could be rapid. Mm-hmm. And so when you have rapid, that's like incoming chi, it can make you, if you're feeling right now in life, I feel overwhelmed. I feel frustrated. I feel like I can't get anything done. I'm not productive. Mm-hmm. Sometimes your chi can be stuck or it's rushing way too fast. Mm-hmm. If you feel like, okay, you know, I, I feel, you know, stagnant. I feel confused. Like sometimes your chi's stuck. Mm-hmm. So Though that's like similar to energy. This is the best way of putting it. Um, picture dirt on the ground. And when you clap your hands or wave your hands over the dirt, what happens? The dirt starts to fly up. Mm-hmm. It, that's it, The same thing happens with energy. So when we're aware of it and we disrupt, like say a dorm room, for example, a lot of times we're, we have these desks and these drawers that we're not opening all the time or mm-hmm. we're utilizing our space to be a bedroom and an office space which is not good because Mm -hmm. then our brain thinks, oh, is this work mode or is it sleep mode? So not having that division of space is confusing to us significantly inside our heads. 
Mm-hmm. Right. And so sometimes we'll have trouble sleeping because we also work in that space. So being yeah. able like a divider would be perfect to put up, um, just dividing that intention. And also, you know, clutter's terrible. It makes your it's it's terrible. It slows down your chi. It's all stagnant. Um, so just making sure everything's clean and has has a purpose, you know, mm-hmm. is so important. And then if you get into it, like the elements and we use a bagua, which it basically looks like this. It's this is our custom one. You you align it with your front door, uh-huh. and so there's nine sectors within a space. And you could do this on your overall space or just a room. And you identify it from the front door. Think of the front door as like the mouth of the chi. It's like the mouth of your body. This is what feeds your body. The mouth of your door mm-hmm. is what feeds your home. So whatever's coming mm-hmm. in stays. Whatever, right? So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you have to identify your your spaces that way, and then you can kind of design with the elements in mind, and it really heightens uh, the energy and the intention, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. It does, yeah. For those who are at home right now, which you know most people are, especially with the current state, um, what are some just basic tips you could give them to just improve their home? their well-being um, and, you know, maybe on a budget or just on basic things they can do, even if without buying anything, like what can they do, you know, in their yeah. living room, their bedroom, like what are some habits they could implement that you would advise that would, that they could see results in, in the change of, you know, their mental being? Sure. Well, there's so many, um, but I'm going to, I'll break it down to rooms, the three mm-hmm. most important rooms, because I think that might be the most helpful. Number one is your entrance because it's the, the mouth of your home, whatever you're bringing into it stays. So like bring, taking those hard to have conversations, fights outside is pivotal because mm-hmm. if you're having them inside, that's the energy that stays. And other people feed on that and it's just not good. Nobody wants to be around that. It just mm-hmm. makes us feel very sharp. Um, and also using your front door. Like a lot of people will use their garage, they'll use their side door, but mm-hmm. like, and you can, but you should make an effort to open that front door because it is the mouth. Um, and then also your bedroom is so pivotal, especially right now. People are working from home. Mm-hmm. Stop working from your bed. Like if yeah. there's one thing I can share with you, because then your mind is thinking all the time, is this work or is it sleep? And your bedroom is so important for restorative purposes. Like this mm-hmm. is where we revive. This is where we're rejuvenating. It's where we're like wiping off the day and coming to our new one. Like it's mm-hmm. so important. And a lot of times people also um, forget about the power position. It's like a, a position of command and it mm-hmm. actually Basically, it's just having your bed facing whatever's coming in and out. It makes us feel more secure when we can see what's actually coming. Mm-hmm. It actually makes us sleep better too, mm-hmm. um, because we feel we feel um, anchored. Yeah. Um, so making sure that you can see your bedroom door from your bed is very right. important. Um, and then your kitchen is the heart of your home. Mm-hmm. Um, so making sure that you're, it's clutter free. Um, if you have clutter in your kitchen, you're going to have clutter in your relationship, like Ooh. pretty much. Yeah. So <laughs> there's so much, there's so many tips and also your office, your home office, make sure your desk is in the power position too, facing mm-hmm. what's coming in and out. Um, if you're not able to, like your room physically won't allow you to look at the door, put up a mirror so you can still see what's coming mm-hmm. in and out. And that makes us feel more productive because we're not like on edge all the time, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. 
Wow. Those are a lot of great tips and I'll definitely (laughs) include them in like a breakdown in the show notes. Um, But we went over a lot today and I think it's, you know, again, your path is really unique, your background and just like your career path in general. It's um, non-conventional. That's why I love talking to people about on the show. But reflecting on all that, your career, what got you to LA and, you know, everything that you do, what would you say ultimately fulfills you in life? Um, people, I think people, the interaction with people, um, I'm so, it's really funny because I'm definitely an extrovert. Mm -hmm. Um, I get energy revived by other people, but I, from doing what I do all day long and being that vessel for other people Mm -hmm. to, to manifest their intentions, like I need that time, that downtime to like revive myself. Um, but yeah, I would say people fulfill me. Like that is my purpose. I've always thought like your purpose is supposed to be this overall sense of like what you want to do with life. Right. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, but what I really am good at, like what I'm meant to do is just be with people, communicate with people, talk with people, brainstorm with people, like-minded people. Just, I, I really, really, and that's the one thing during this pandemic that I missed the most. Um, just being able to be around people. Like that's Mm -hmm. why I love what I do. That's why I can do what I do, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. It's so funny that you said people because I think that's definitely my personal answer as well. And I think, you know, at the end of the day, out of all the success we could have out of, you know, all the money we could make and all the things that we can buy with it, it doesn't really matter unless you have the community and the support and the people there like cheering you on. You know, what fun is it Mm -hmm. to you know, have a win without having anyone to share it with. Right. So I think that's so important. Absolutely. It's so true. That's very, very true. Yes. I love that so much. Yeah. But um, where can everyone find you, share your Instagram, your website, and where they can kind of give your portfolio a look? Yeah, just GabrielleSantiagoDesign.com. And my Instagram handle is the same, just GabrielleSantiagoDesign. Um, yeah, this has been so fun. I hope to do more things like this because it's it's such a, a fun conversation to have. And that veil that's now dropped because we're stuck in our homes. Like I've been preaching forever that homes matter. And now we're all stuck in it. And I'm like, told you, like everybody's <laughs> ready for it now. So I'm yeah. like, I'm hoping that the concept, I know we didn't really dive into feng shui, but I'm mm-hmm. hoping that people will educate themselves a little bit more because it really does work. It's not magic and it's not yeah. uh, you know, it's not a, it's not a, a fix, but it's, it's very helpful for sure. Thank you so much for being on today. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. This was so fun. And that was all for today's episode with Gabrielle Santiago. If you enjoyed this conversation, please be sure to rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts. And of course, join our community over on the podcast Instagram at what fulfills you pod. So be sure to comment on the latest post. Let us know your thoughts, any takeaways you had. And of course, if you ever are curious about interior design or just want to reach out to Gabrielle for advice in that realm, I'm sure she'd be open to it. So go give her a follow and reach out to her and everything will be linked in the show notes. Thanks again for your support as always. And I will chat with you all next week. America, we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. 
Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. To serve others in ways that promote human flourishing and create a ripple effect of transformation for generations to come, find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu.